Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. There's a city in central Vermont that has a nickname that's almost like a curse. I'm not clear of the history, but I know I've heard the term. If I'm remembering correctly, it was probably something in the news that maybe somebody said something like, oh, you know, said that phrase. I didn't give it any thought. Yeah, that's what people said. That must be how it is. As long as I can remember, it's always been the thing. The city is Barry, and the nickname is Scary Barry. I don't scare as easily as everybody else, so no, I I get why they say it, but it's not any worse than anywhere else. I think it comes from a time when it was a little bit rougher and, uh, you know, things were not as nice here. I mean, I lived in Montpelier probably four years before I moved to Barrie, and I would say the entire time I was in Montpelier, I had that opinion. They just made it sound like there were uh, drugs flying in the streets and maybe stabbings. I don't know. It just was anything negative in a city that you could imagine. That's what their opinion was. It's a nickname that caught the ear of today's question asker, Tim Rapchinsky. I've only heard it a few times. Um, but on different occasions and unprompted. So I definitely knew it was a phrase that was around. Tim is an electrical engineer. He works in Barry City. For a while, he was commuting there from New York State, where he's from. Then in 2017, he was ready to make the move to Vermont. When he chose Barry, his colleagues invoked this nickname and discouraged him, told him to live in Montpelier instead. And it just kind of shocked me because I'm hearing this phrase, even though we're living here, and it kind of correlated to uh, the situation where my coworkers were saying I shouldn't live here. And I just was like, what's the deal? What is going on with this? Yeah. And that's kind of where my curiosity stemmed from. Tim put his question to us and we put it in a public voting round, which is how we decide what topics we cover on this show. And you all chose it. Ta-da! Our latest winner. What in Barry's history has led it to be known as Scary Barry? Is the city improving from that point? And if so, How? But there was just one problem. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Amanda Gustin. I live in Barry City, and I am responding. I just Not everybody was happy about this line of inquiry. About the question from Tim of Barry City, asking why Barry is called Scary Barry. Uh, I, many, many, many responses to that. I gotta say that it makes me really angry. Uh, as someone who lives in and, and deeply, deeply loves Barry City, I, I, don't, I can't think of any other community in the state that would get a whole podcast exploring why, you know, people call it nasty things. Uh, it's a terrific place. Amanda told us this nickname is nothing more than a, quote, snobbish way to look down on a blue-collar city. I frequently like to point out that uh, Montpelier has a much higher crime rate than Barry City, um, which I should point out as well that Barry City has a higher percentage of, of folks living on the margins, whether because of socioeconomic status, race, uh, a whole host of uh, things, um, status of, of, of homelessness or anything like that than, than most other communities in central Vermont. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's 
calling scary berries a way of, of looking down on, on vulnerable people. And that, that, it really frustrates me. So that was a lot to process. Crime, homelessness, race, class. Is everything Amanda said about Barry accurate? Yes and no. It does not have lower crime rates than Montpelier. Its crime rates are higher. That's according to data that's collected by the FBI. If you look at recent census estimates, you can see that it's slightly more racially diverse than its county overall, which is Washington County, though not by a lot. But what Amanda said about people on the margins is right. Barry City's poverty rate is more than double the rest of the county and the state. The rate of people with a disability is also almost twice as high. Our question asker Tim had seen firsthand how this can shape some people's perception of the city. And <laughs> I'm nervous about saying this stuff, sorry, because I'm not sure if you necessarily want to air it or not. Um, but the one that stuck out to me when someone said Scary Berry was it was we were walking on the sidewalk and we passed um, a particular person. Tim says it looked like this person was struggling, maybe with homelessness or with their mental health. You know, it may have been a little unsettling without knowing the situation the person was in. Tim and his friend kept walking. After we got far enough away, then the, the term scary berry came out. And I was like, that was a little rude. But <laughs> is that why, you know, is that why people are saying scary berry? It really bothered me. I was like, you don't know the person's situation. Like, you, you shouldn't reference the city as being scary because of this particular individual's. It was around this time that we got some critical feedback on social media as well. A bunch of you were like, uh, yeah, this phrase is a really harmful stigma. It all made me question whether we should even do this episode. Some people had never even heard of the term. Would we just be giving it an unnecessary platform, making the problem worse? So I called Amanda back. It turns out she works for the Vermont Historical Society and is super involved in the community. She gave me some helpful background on Barry and hooked us up with several of the people you're going to hear from today. As you can tell, we did do this episode, and it's because I feel like we sort of got Amanda's blessing and also kind of a mandate. If you're going to do a story about this stereotype, do it without perpetuating the stereotype. If such a thing is possible, we have tried. You'll have to let us know how we did. From Vermont Public and the NPR Network, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. So I worked on this episode with my colleague, Mary Angish. Hey, Mary. Hey, Angela. And before we talk more about this nickname, let's just orient people a little bit, starting with where Barry is. Yeah, sure. So the first thing to know is that there's a Barry city and a Barry town. Both are just a couple of miles southeast of our state's capital, Montpelier. 
Barry City's quite small. It's just four square miles. And Barry Town wraps around almost all the way, kind of like a square donut with a bite taken out of it. <laughs> awesome. Hopefully that's a helpful visual for everyone. And just to clarify more, these are two different municipalities, Barrytown and Barry City. And in this episode, the Barry we're talking about and the place that this nickname has historically been applied to is Barry City. Right. That's really the area that's more like a city to the extent that we have cities in Vermont. <laughs> right. It's the most populous city in Washington County, and there's a relatively big Main Street in a downtown area. We can cross here. That's Main Street, just down that way. Can I go? Yeah. This is actually another listener who reached out to us about Tim's question. His name is Josh Rice. He and his wife, Aubrey, just moved to Barrie in December from St. Petersburg, Florida. That's another thing, is not being afraid to be a pedestrian in this state has been life-changing. When they heard about this question, they were like, yeah, Barry? Not scary. I'm new to this place, and, you know, uh, I, I don't think my opinion is worth more than anybody else's, but I wanted to share our experience and pipe up for the city because it's, it's, it's been nothing but good to us. Josh and Aubrey give us a little tour of downtown. We're walking past the Cornerstone Pub and Kitchen, which we have been to. I had the best mac and cheese here. But um, there is a sign for um, the Barry City Schools one-act musical, Barry Poppins, which sounds like a lot of fun. Tickets are free. <laughs> what have you got to lose? So when you walk the main drag, you know, you get a vibe that's common in a lot of Vermont's bigger downtowns. This is a place that had an industrial heyday. It gave rise to some really big, beautiful buildings. The buildings are still here, but the industry is not as booming as it used to be. Right, and in Barry's case, that industry was granite. There was a boom that lasted a long time in Barrie, like from the 1880s to the 1950s. Immigrants from all over Europe came to quarry and carve the stone that would end up in places like Union Station and the National Mall. And the downtown thrived, and every year the community would celebrate its multicultural heritage with this really big festival that would come to be known as the Heritage Festival. The Heritage Festival, if you went down Main Street, it'd be one of the stores would be the Italians, and the next door would be the Scottish, and the next door would be the Lebanese. It was really fun. This is Lee Bonamico. And I was born here in Barrie back in 45. She remembers how bustling downtown was in, say, the 1960s. I mean, we had three stationery stores and three shoe stores, and people came to Barry to go shopping from other areas because it was busy. Lee's grandfathers both worked in granite. She says one was Italian. He had what's often called a granite shed, which is not a shed. It's more like a big plant where the granite was processed and carved. Other grandfather was Scotch, and he came down and worked up on the hill in the quarries. He was a supervisor in the quarries. There is still a granite industry here, though, like a lot of industries, it's been mechanized, and it employs fewer people than it used to. And that long legacy of granite in Barrie has been extensively documented and celebrated. It almost feels like everywhere you look, there's a granite sculpture. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the 
statue outside of the Granite Museum, which is like, it, it looks like a gentleman carving himself out of oh, cool. granite, which is really cool to see, you know, that, that kind of like motion, but yeah. presented via a large rock. Stone. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And, you know, sure, there are some empty storefronts. But you're going to see that anywhere. You know, even the, the pit in Burlington is largely unoccupied. It's a common story, especially in Vermont's mid-sized cities. A profitable industry fades, which is hard for downtown businesses. And then another whammy when things like malls come along, and another with one-click shopping. Now you can't buy a men's shirt and bury it. A lot of Dollar Generals, but it's pretty sad. We had a big grocery store. We had the, you know, the A&P and the Grand Union and all those stores are here, but now they're not. All right. So far, what we have on our hands is a classic tale of post-industrial American decline. This doesn't seem like enough to explain the nickname. So we start asking around. Um, so why do you think it's called Scary Barry or why do you think some people call it that? I think it's a lot of the people that we see around and everything that we've heard happens, overdoses and stuff like that. Oh, there's a lot, a lot of drugs in this town, a lot of things go on, people get killed, you know. Bad things happen at night. You know. It also rhymes. <laughs> we meet Julia Mundinger and Michael Dupont just off Main Street. Well, I mean, I've had some out-of-staters talk to me and, I mean, they, they've asked me about this place, and I mean, I've just told them not to walk around at night. It's safe during the day. It's a comfortable, close-knit community. You, it, there's, it's just its own circles, you know? That's how I look at Barry. Here's Chris McCullen. We meet him near a bus stop. So, how much time have you spent here? I've been here for about a week and a half, and a... I was I was here about like two years ago previously for like a four and a half month stint. Okay, here in Barrie. Yeah. Barry. What brings you here? Um, homelessness, homelessness, finding finding somewhere to go. W- would you call yourself homeless? No, I feel like home is where the heart is. Is is what I, is what I feel. I feel safe, so I feel at home. I feel safe with myself. But, yeah, I'm pretty homeless. I don't allow myself to be judged by it, but I I definitely feel like it's not a choice, you know. It's not a choice. Homelessness isn't a choice, I hope, for most people. I mean, for me, it's not, you know. It's just the situation. It's just the situation. But, no, I feel like this shouldn't be branded as Scary Barry. I feel like judgment is, is not needed for a place like this. I have no idea. I have no idea why they call it Scary Berry when everybody keeps coming back. What do you mean when, when everyone keeps coming back? What do you mean by that? It just might, must be it's just not that scary. People just have to have an open mind about a lot of things in this place. Yeah. Um, Central Vermont in general. So how would you describe, like, Barry? It's fine. I have no problems with it. I've been here 25 years. This is Scott LaRochelle. What are you up to today? Waiting to go back home. Waiting for the city bus to get there. And where's home for you? 
Highgate Apartments. Uh, Highgate, so that's in Barry City? Yes, it's um, Section 8 housing up on top of the hill. How do you how do you find that Section 8 housing? Is that working out for you? Uh, it's working out fine for me. I'm on disability and social security, so I'm doing pretty good. No complaints one bet, really. So I think two things really stood out in these conversations. One, it rhymes. Scary Berry rhymes. That's probably a big part of why the phrase has stuck. And two, something Chris McCollin said. Berry is just its own circles. It suggests the, quote, scariness of Berry is pretty subjective. It depends on the circles you're in and who you are as an individual. For Josh and Aubrey, who gave us that tour, Barry seems quaint and slower paced. For Barry old-timer Scott La Rochelle, it's just home, not scary. But no one person's experience defines a place, especially a place with such a rich history like Barry. But we are still looking for a definitive origin to this pesky nickname. Was there something that caused someone to utter it for the first time? For all the ways that Barry is similar to other mid-sized Vermont communities, there are a lot of things that make it unique. So maybe there's a connection to the nickname somewhere in the distant or recent past. We heard several theories on this. Theory number one. Basically, everyone we talked to for this story mentioned that granite boom. So we're going to go back to that era one more time. The immigrants who came to Barrie, particularly the ones from Scotland and Italy, they brought strong ideas about workers' rights. Barrie was a great union town, and workers did pretty well here. So they joined groups like the IWW, the Wobblies, and they were part of the Federation of Italian Socialists. And these were people who were socialists in their philosophy and their outlook. That was Karen Lane and Paul Heller, both local history buffs. We chatted with them in Barry's Old Labor Hall, which was a nexus for community organizing and mutual aid. Karen played a big role in revitalizing that building. I have to add to that, if I may, too. Granite Cutters, uh, an international association, that was one of the groups that first held their meetings in this building back around 1900. Back then, the Italian stone carvers in particular brought another philosophy with them to bury, too. Anarchy. In the early 20th century, there were two centers for Italian anarchists, uh, one Patterson, New Jersey, and the other Barry, Vermont. So, anarchy. Socialism, workers' rights, these ideas are deeply embedded in Barry's history. But more than political movements, Paul figures any negative reputation that Barry developed during this time would have been simply because it was a multicultural and working-class community. You know, I don't think it was uh, uh, fear of trade unionism or anything like that. I think it was elitism and snobbery. Theory number two. Several people posed to us that maybe this term was born after a high-profile crime in Barrie. What, what year was it, for starters? One that longtime residents remember happened in 1982, on the night of the Heritage Festival. A murder. Yes, 
It was probably the body behind the, the Catholic church. The, Catholic the first school. time this comes up is in the Aldridge Library. We're chatting with a patron named Paul Flint. And that's when the, the well, I mean, it's it really comes to home. It was scary. It was because was drinking too much. Lee Bonamico, the granddaughter of Italian and Scottish quarrymen, works at this library. And she remembers another murder in, like, 1958. The, the, the one I'm thinking of, was, I was still in high school. For the, she says she'll look into both of these crimes for us to see if there's some early mention of the phrase. But she calls back a few days later to break the news. Hi, Angela, this is Lee down at the library. And I really haven't located proof of what started scary Barry. That really had nothing to do with either murder in Barry. It may have come because way back in the 15, 19, in the early days, 1915 and 1920, Barry was a pretty rough town because they were all granite workers. And when they played sports, they were rough. And maybe other people thought we were scary. But it has nothing to do with the murders. At least nobody I have talked to thinks so. And then she says something that feels like it's kind of out of left field. The first time most people really remember it is back during Halloween. And it's just because they did a, that Halloween kind of a thing and they decorated a house and made it scary. Wait, Halloween? Some of the harvest dinners, you know, were, were all on the scary berry schedule of events, which took place all of October. And then... We had the parades on Halloween. This is Patricia Merriam. And to our great surprise, she oversaw a citywide event that was literally called Scary Berry. Hello, theory number three. Scary Berry was a harvest festival that Patricia started in 2006, along with a crew of community volunteers and a downtown organization called the Berry Partnership. We had monster movie matinees at the Paramount. Oh, and we did it with the um, rec department. We did a Harvest Homes competition where people had to decorate the outside of their houses. And so the Times Argus went out and photographed them. And then the winning home got in the newspaper. So, Mary, this festival became a very enticing theory for us when we first learned about it. Because wouldn't it be ironic if the nickname that everyone dislikes so much actually originated with a city event. (laughs) Yep, it was a very appealing hypothesis. But it turns out Patricia Merriam did not invent the phrase. I didn't want to be insulted anymore. She'd heard it around just like everybody else, and she didn't like it. So she figured, why not give it a makeover? I think, you know, to to take something that was negative... And to just say, this, this, don't stop it. You know, you don't, you're saying what you don't know. If you're saying Barry is a scary place, then you're not part of our community and you haven't. So come see it. Come to the Opera House. Go to the fundraisers. Patricia's festival ran for just a few years. After that, she says the Vermont Granite Museum adopted the Scary Berry name to run a haunted house, and that ended in 2016. To this day, the Harvest Fest and the Haunted House return most of the results when you search for that phrase on the website of the Berry Montpelier Times Argus, for better or worse. It just didn't fly well with a lot of people, uh, merchants in the community. 
This is Steve Pappas, the executive editor and publisher of the Times Argus. He says the festival rankled some business owners who thought it only gave more prominence to an unfair label. You know, we want people to come here willingly and feel not just at Halloween, but all of the time. So you don't want people in the other 11 months of the year to come to Scary Barry. You want them to come to Barry. But the Times Argus isn't blameless here either. And not just because they publicized the festival. So the Times Argus was part of the problem and has been part of the problem. That's right after this. We have now arrived at the meta part of this episode because we're going to talk about the role that the media played in perpetuating, maybe even intensifying, a negative stereotype about Barry City. And this is a theory that I think does hold water. Here's Steve Pappas again of the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. AP style, Associated Press style, requires that you include a dateline from the location where the news is generated. What Steve is talking about here, the dateline, that's the town or city name that you sometimes see in all caps at the beginning of a news story. It's kind of an industry standard. That was the style that we adopted and and used. Where this really affected Barry's image was in the paper's crime coverage. That's because the courthouse for all of Washington County, including the criminal court division, is right in downtown Barry City, right next to the movie theater. So anytime there's a crime anywhere in Washington County, Montpelier, Waterbury, Cabot, the charges are filed in Barrie. So anytime there was a story, uh, call it a, a heinous crime in Waitsfield, and the individual was arraigned in Barrie, and the story ran on the front page of the Times Argus above the fold of the arraignment of the gentleman from Waitsfield, the dateline was Barrie. Hmm. So the first word that everybody read in the story was Barrie. It's not that the newspaper invented the phrase Scary Barry, but Steve admits, for a time, they profited from a certain kind of local narrative. Honestly, um, crime stories sell newspapers, and if you are mindful of that, then you're wanting people to pick up the paper and you're going to put the story on the front page that you think is going to do that. Steve Pappas became the editor of the Times Argus in 2009. Around that time, maybe a little after, he says people in the community started to plead with the paper. Uh, We had people in the community who were actually calling us and saying, can you, it didn't happen in Barry, can you not put Barry as the first word of the story? To the point where community members petitioned the paper and said, please stop. Steve recalls this request from readers as his first test as a leader in the community. A community, by the way, that he'd known and spent time in since he was a kid. He listened, and he developed a new approach. We made a pivot. Um, We don't cover certain crimes anymore the same way. We also go out of our way not to put crime stories on the front page anymore. That is an editorial decision that I made when I came on board 13 years ago, that unless it was a felony and unless it deserved to be on the front page, we were going to put other news from the community on the front page. It's not that Barry is a utopia where nothing bad happens. Steve says it's more that bad things happen in a lot of places, and Barry doesn't deserve to be singled out with a nickname. We are definitely seeing an uptick in drug usage and overdoses. 
but so is every community in the state of Vermont right now. It's, you know, Vermont has an issue with poverty and substance abuse and addiction and mental health crises. And all of those factors are creating problems for communities like Barrie. It's just easy to pick at Barrie and say, well, it's always been like that, and it hasn't. In a lot of communities, these issues are hidden. In Barrie, they're more visible, partly because folks come to the courthouse that we just mentioned, which also houses probation and parole offices, but also because there are a lot of places in Barrie where people can seek help and support. A lot of people will say, well, I just want it to go away, right? Well, it, what you do is you just, it's, it's really not a humanitarian approach. You push people uh, who are in your community often out of your community. This is Jake Hemrick. He became mayor of Barry City in 2022, and he contrasts Barry's willingness to support vulnerable communities with what he calls the NIMBY mindset, not in my backyard. He says Barry is a YIMBY community. Yes, in my backyard. I think we're more willing to say yes in the city because we live close to each other. We experience each other's lives and hardships in time of abundance or scarcity. And it's a place that has said yes to a lot of different social services. Um, We've innovated over the years. And uh, it's, it's defined our character in a lot of ways. The social services he's talking about are extensive. Capstone Community Action, the Community Justice Center, the Good Samaritan Haven, the Turning Point Center of Central Vermont. And we've, we've been building partnerships as a city uh, with Downstreet Housing and Community Development. They're headquartered uh, right here downtown. And they uh, just built the first recovery center uh, for women with children in recovery um, so that uh, if you need to reach out for help, you don't have to fear as a woman that you um, might lose your kids. Family services, vocational rehab, adult education, access to health care, food, and Pretty much everything is in walking distance, which helps if you don't have a car or you can't drive. And, and Barry, I think because, like I said, we, we live close together. We're not on 10-acre lots out in the country at the end of a long driveway. We know our neighbors. We recognize that there are times of need, and we have pragmatic approaches to meeting those needs. And that's, that's a Barry story over and over and over again. We never did find a definitive answer as to where this nickname came from, which makes it hard to answer the second part of Tim's question. Is the city improving from that point? And if so, how? If the origin is murky, if it's based entirely on prejudice or classism or social stigma, and if it's persisted in part because it rhymes, it's hard to know exactly what progress would even look like. On the one hand, it's probably fair to say that everyone is rooting for Barry to progress in an economic sense, with more of the downtown revitalization that you can clearly see is underway in parts of the city. On the other hand, an improvement when it comes to the concept of Scary Barry is probably just the disappearance of the phrase. Now, when I hear somebody say it or refer to Barry that way, I get kind of angry. Like, this is so tired. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. Or not, I don't know that it ever really was like that. what they're trying to portray. Elizabeth Manriquez owns Espresso Bueno. It's a cafe right across from the courthouse. Elizabeth opened it almost 16 years ago. 
And in those years, she says she has seen a change, not from scary times, just from different times. They tore up all of Main Street, improved the infrastructure. A lot of the businesses had hardships over that. But so physically, Main Street is unrecognizable. Um, And then the population here has really changed over the past decade. Um, I would say that it's, mm, it is maybe a little bit more balanced than it has been in the past. Um, I don't know if you want to use political terms or um, socioeconomic terms, but it seems a lot more... <laughs> Do you think there's more socioeconomic and political diversity than there used Absolutely. to be? That's the word, diversity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The politics of the community are starting to shift with a more progressive cohort getting involved in conversations and decision-making. The past few years have seen heated debates here about the Black Lives Matter flag versus the Blue Lives Matter flag, Trump supporters gathering every week downtown and drawing a response from counter-demonstrators, which, again, not unique to Barry, and not necessarily an improvement, depending on your politics or how you relate to the so-called culture wars. And besides... Elizabeth Manriquez is not bringing any of this up. We kind of got the sense that no one wanted to go there in this episode. They just wanted Barry to get some positive press. Fair enough. Um, It's up and coming is the word that I would like to use, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. This is Alicia Manriquez, Elizabeth's daughter. She's 24, and she recently moved back home and started working at the cafe people from Barry kind of know that it's awesome and sometimes it feels almost like we know how great it is so we like keep it a little secret (laughs) because I mean but then also you can't have a place can't grow unless more people know about it and so I think they're finding that balance is really really hard because you know I want everybody to know how great it is but I also still want to be able to rent an apartment (laughs) you know so so can we go back to something you were saying before which I think is really interesting you shared with me um that you feel like fewer microaggressions here in Barrie yes. versus other parts of the state. Is that something you would feel comfortable talking more about on yeah, the mic? Absolutely. So um, the thing about Barrie is that nobody, nobody cares. Nobody is trying to be any certain way other than what they are. They're not trying to be good or bad. They just are themselves. And the thing that I find that happens in other parts of the state um, is that because I am a person of color, and not just me, but a lot of other people that I know, um, people try so hard with me to either be nice or not offensive or whatever it is. And in doing that, they're actually causing more microaggressions. Do you think people are more open-minded in Barry? I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think, the thing is, people in Barry aren't even worried about whether or not they're open-minded, which, like, does that make sense? Like, I think that for all of Vermont, what really one of the biggest things is lack of exposure to anything. I mean, we're this beautiful little island in this country that's mostly untouched by the rest of the world, which is so great. But saying that, there's a lot of things that we don't know that are, I don't want to say right or wrong, but like, yeah, kind of right or wrong just because we don't see them. Um, And 
The difference is, is that everywhere else in the state, I feel like people are trying so hard to be open-minded or whatever, you know, you want to call it, that in turn they end up being a little bit more closed-minded. And in Barrie specifically, at least everybody that I know, they're so busy just trying to, like, do well and do well for the people around them that, like, they end up actually, because they're not focusing on being, like, open-minded, they end up just being open-minded, you know. No one's called us Flatlanders yet, at least to our faces. I've gotten it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got it. Back on our tour with Aubrey and Josh Rice, some of Barry's newest residents, we talk about their forays into Vermont life. We just learned about something called Contra Dance, uh, oh, which yes, is a was telling us about that. <laughs> Vermont and Montpelier staple. I'm dying um, to go. Yeah. And all the restaurants they still want to try on Barry's Main Street. This is a Brazilian steakhouse that we keep wanting to make our way to. The way Josh and Aubrey see Barry bodes well for the city's future. And by the way, these two didn't just land here by accident. They did extensive research based on a comprehensive spreadsheet that Josh built. They wanted things like access to schools and quality health care and affordable real estate. And the place that met all their requirements was Barry. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And thanks to Tim Rapchinski for the great question. If you have a question about your Vermont community, ask it at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can sign up for the BLS newsletter and vote on the question you want us to tackle next. We're on Instagram and Reddit at BraveStateVT. Special thanks today to Ashley Ricciarelli, John Ricciarelli, Marianne Koch, Jim and Larissa Haas, Fran Spaulding, Bob Purvis, Hilary Denton, Ellen Kay, Scott McLaughlin, Jeannie McLeod, Lila Reese, Tracy Lewis, Braden Vale, Burn Rose, Peter Hirschfeld, and Liam Elder Connors, and the Aldridge Library. Amanda Gustin, the Barry City resident who left the voicemail at the top of this episode, was also in another episode of ours recently, talking about the history of intentional living communities in Vermont. We've got a link in our show notes. And BLS gets lots of help from colleagues behind the scenes. So I also want to shout out Anna St. Marie for helping our show shine on social media. This episode was reported by Mary Angish and me. I produced it and did the mix and sound design. Editing and additional production from the rest of the Brave Little State team, Josh Crane, Myra Flynn, and May Naguski. Music today by Blue Dot Sessions. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public and a proud member of the NPR Network. If you like our show, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or just tell your friends to listen. You can also make a gift at bravelittlestate.org slash donate. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon with more people-powered Vermont journalism. Until then. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. 
NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.